Well, good morning, Stonebridge. My name is Tim Ellis, and I'm an elder here. And uh, we've made it to the big day. It's my wife's birthday. so We're, we're celebrating 29 again. Our scripture this morning will be in First Tim, or I'm sorry, Second Timothy, chapter one, starting in verse thirteen. And while you're turning there, I'd like to share a story with you uh, about three college students in Oklahoma in the early 1970s, and they were particularly on fire for God and uh, eager to share His word. And their campus minister recognized their potential, and so he challenged them that there were three big, it was Big 8 at the time, three Big 8 schools that didn't have college ministries. And uh, they drew straws, and one uh, person uh, chose the straw for Iowa State University. And he started uh, Baptist Student Union at Iowa State University in the early 1970s. His name is Jack Owens. Many of you uh, may know Jack. Um, <clears throat> but he grew that ministry from just a handful of students uh, to what it is today, over a thousand students. It's, it's now called the Salt Company. And the Salt Company uh, has planted uh, salt companies and churches in over 30, well, in 30 uh, cities across the U.S. Uh, with plans in the next two years for six more. Ultimately, they'd like to uh, reach uh, 400 uh, uh, campuses across the U.S. So just that one person's faithfulness has grown into this large ministry. Uh, Jack was also the cornerstone staff person who volunteered to plant a church here in Boone. Uh, prior to the church kickoff, he met with a number of us for a Bible study, and one of the Bible studies he did with us was theology of the gospel, uh, which is pertinent to what uh, we'll be talking about today as well. Uh, and then when it was time for uh, Jack to, to leave, he, we sent him off to start a college ministry in Lawrence, Lawrence Kansas. Uh, at an age when most of us would be thinking about retiring and uh, thinking uh, we, we'd take it easy for a while, and Jack is still about the business of, of sharing the gospel with others. I think we have a picture of Jack. Uh, this was during our five-year anniversary uh, of Stonebridge uh, with Matt. Jack, Jack was the one that gave Stonebridge its, its name. And when I was looking at his Facebook page uh, for a picture that I could use, uh, I came across a post that somebody had put up there uh, from 2 Timothy. Coincidentally, um, it's going to be uh, what we will be talking about today. Um, what you've heard from me in the presence of uh, many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what, what a coincidence that somebody else recognized that about Jack. All right, let's turn to today's scripture. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 13. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me. May the Lord grant that he obtain mercy from him on that day. You know very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he, unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This passage can be summed up in one word. Bundle. Sound teaching, a commitment to sharing the gospel, and a disciplined life. It's not 12 words, it's one word if you bundle them. Verse 13, hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul wants Timothy to hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that is, he has heard from him personally. Why were Paul's teachings so special? Well, as Matt explained from uh, Titus chapter 1, it's not just Paul's words, it's God's word. Paul also wants Timothy to hold on to the pattern of sound teaching. What is a pattern? The dictionary describes a pattern as a repeating design an arrangement or sequence, or a plan to be followed in making something. The Greek word can be translated outline sketch. There are certain important aspects of the gospel message that Paul wants Timothy to hold on to. It's great that the women's Bible study is going through uh, the study, You Are a Theologian, by Jen Wilkin and J.T. English. Guys, we should be reading that too. It's good stuff. Debbie and I listened to the first several chapters uh, in the car last weekend. But a pattern can also be thought of as a repeated habits. Habits can be good things or bad things or even neutral, neither good or bad. Bible reading, coming to church, listening to Matt's sermons online, these are all good habits. I don't need to remind you of what bad habits are. We all have them. I have more than my fair share. But how can we develop more good habits? Uh, early in our marriage, I maintained a fair, fairly steady habit of reading the Bible and setting time up, uh, apart for God. Uh, and then chaos ensued. We had our first child. And, and those regular routines went out the window. And I remember uh, being at work one day. We were living in, uh, outside of D.C. at the time. And a former professor of mine, Dr. Spies, uh, he was doing some consulting for the same company. He stopped by my cubicle and asked how things were going. Uh, he was a Paul in my life. He had always uh, had an open Bible on his desk at the university and ready to share an encouraging word with me. And so I share with him about our new child and how, you know, how my job was going. And I shared also that I had stopped reading the, the Bible just because things had gotten too hectic. And he said, well, start small. Just start with one verse a day. Certainly you can fit that in your busy schedule. And so I did. I started uh, reading the Word again, uh, one, you know, one verse at a time, and just grew it from there. And you see, he was a Paul in my life, and, and I was a Timothy in his uh, Debbie and I have started reading the book Atomic Habit, Habits, read, recommended by several of our kids, and what we've read so far is excellent. One of the takeaways for the, from this book for me is that habits start from the inside out, not the outside in. Our habits are a reflection of who we are, our identity. To change our habits, we have to change the way we see ourselves. We developed the habit of reading the Bible not only because it will help us in some way, because we're, but because we're Christians and Christians read the Word. We want to do that. We want to know what the Father is saying to us. We want to hear His words. If someone offered me a cigarette, I could say, well, cigarettes aren't really good for me or they stain my teeth or Matt might see us smoking. I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, let's look at it at the other around. 
oh, but, but in reality, I'm not a smoker, so I don't want a cigarette. If I were a smoker and I'm trying to quit, telling myself the cigarettes aren't good for me, uh, they stain my teeth, isn't going to help me. It's a bad habit. To quit smoking, we have to first see ourselves as non-smokers. That's who we want to be. That will give us the strength uh, to be able to turn down a cigarette when it's offered to us. In verse 14, it says, guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We often guard things that are valuable to us. We lock our bikes so that they're there and we want to use them. We need to guard the truth of the gospel so that we can accurately share it with others in good form. It's valuable, and the enemy wants nothing more than to steal it from us, or at least distract us from it. Uh, the first uh, way to guard it is to make sure we get it right. In guarding the gospel truths, Paul instructs Timothy to enlist the help of the Holy Spirit. It's that important. Did you ever play the game telephone when one person whispers a story into another person's ear and it goes around the circle? It's often pretty hilarious uh, what story comes back at the end of the game uh, because invariably it's different from what it began, began with. It's similar to the game Mad Libs where you have a familiar text and certain words are left out. Um, and then you get suggestions for those missing words. The Gettysburg Address then becomes, four score and seven seconds ago, Uncle Steve brought forth on this continent a new tomato, right? It has, has nothing to do with, with what it should be. Well, Paul doesn't want Timothy to play the telephone game or mad lives with the gospel. He wants him to get it right, and the Holy Spirit will help him with this. Isn't that precisely what Jesus said was one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit? John 14, 26, but the counselor the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit will teach us and help remind us what Jesus has said. One of the great things about having the Holy Spirit in us is that he will help us get it right. No more telephone game. Plus now we have the written word of God. So even when we do get it scrambled up, we have the written word uh, to help clarify the truth. And the Holy Spirit help us to remember and know the truth. The second way we can guard or protect um, that deposit in our lives is to give it away. Isn't this consistent with God's economy? You want to be wealthy? Give away your wealth. You want to guard that good deposit of faith in your life? Well, you can't hide it under a rock. You have to give it away for it to grow. Uh, that will guard and protect the good, uh, the good deposit in our lives. You want a blessing in your life? Go out and be a blessing to someone else. Verse 15, you know that, that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Paul was persecuted for his faith. He's writing this letter from prison in Rome. As Matt mentioned last week, it's the last letter he wrote. Those in Asia that were either... Um, sorry here. Uh, we were either ashamed of his message or ashamed of his change, deserted or abandoned him. Two in particular are mentioned here. They not only abandoned and deserted him, but they were called out for it. Phygelus and Hermogenes. What kind of legacy were they leaving for future generations? One of shame and regret? Onesiphorus, on the other hand, was not ashamed of the gospel and was a great encouragement to Paul. That's a legacy to be proud of. We never hear of Hermogenes and Phygelus again. But Onesiphorus is mentioned again in chapter 4. In addition, he's well known for creating a line of infant clothing. He brought us the uh, onesie for us. 
Sorry, I didn't get that approved by Matt, so that's on me. <laughs> Chapter 2. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, not weak in the grace, not relying on our own strength. How often do we need to be reminded not to rely on our own strength? Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. You didn't do anything to deserve God's grace. I didn't do anything to deserve it. Jesus did everything for his glory. That is his grace. And to him be the glory. And now the crux of our um, message today. What, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. If you're looking for a life verse or even a memory verse, this would be a good one. The things Paul has taught Timothy, the things Paul has said in the company of others, the things Paul has written in his letters, pass them on. Use Paul's example and be that example for others. Encourage them to do the same. This is how God's church is designed to grow. The family of believers grows through personal interaction with others, the personal sharing of the gospel with others, sharing our lives with others. My first overseas missions experience was in Capetian, Haiti. I was spending the summer there working at an orphanage and attempting to use my engineering skills to assist in water supply and development and other engineering project projects. Uh, Debbie, who later became my better half, joined me there for the last several weeks of the summer. And while we were there, we met many missionaries and learned uh, from them about their ministries. One couple in particular, Ron and Denise Hamm, however, impressed us as being particularly successful. And when I asked Ron about his strategy for missions, uh, he said he follows 2 Timothy 2.2. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men or entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That was it. Nothing more complicated. And his approach was working. He worked alongside a Haitian pastor, Pastor Maurice, to help train men in the church who could lead Bible studies and be sent out to pastor other churches. His wife, Denise, was teaching women in the church um, how to be godly women. I hung out with Ron as much as I could that summer. We've, we've remained friends ever since. He and Denise had a daughter, Esther, about the same time we had our first child, Sarah. Years later, we met up in Haiti for a kind of father-daughter missions trip. I don't know if we have that uh, picture. <clears throat> um, you see, Ron was, um, not only did he demonstrate 2 Timothy 2, 2 to me, he was a Paul in my life, entrusting the gospel truths to me. And that was my turn to commit and trust those things to others. 2 Timothy 2, 2, what a great life first. The things you've heard, commit to reliable people so they'll be able to teach others. And let God do the rest. Each of us needs a Paul in our life, or many Pauls, so that we can hear the gospel, and each of us needs Timothys in our life that we can entrust the gospel to. It sounds like a lot like evangelism, doesn't it? It sounds like how we can reach uh, the world with the gospel. One of the opportunities I've had as a professor at Iowa State is to be the coordinator of an exchange program with a university in China. Uh, over the last 20 years, we've been able to bring uh, over 200 students um, to, to Iowa State. They spend two years in China and two years uh, at Iowa State, and they get degrees from both uh, universities. And early on in the program, there was a student uh, who ran into some mental health problems, and one weekend, uh, he was picked up by the Ames police because he was acting erratically. He basically hadn't step, slept for several days in a row. He was admitted to Mary Greeley Hospital. I had the opportunity to meet with him over the next several weeks that he was there. I shared my, my own struggles with mental health as a teen and how I uh, came to know Christ. 
I gave him a Bible and a Christian book, both translated into Chinese. Eventually, I accompanied him back to China where he could receive long-term care. Unfortunately, in China, mental illness is uh, considered shameful and something to be kept secret. Um, his family got him admitted into a, a facility in Beijing. Uh, this student, let's, let's call him Frank, uh, was being sent quietly uh, to Beijing where he could be treated. I hadn't heard from Frank for several years, then one day out of the blue, received an email from him. He said that he'd become a Christian, and he thanked me for helping him in that decision. He also said that he was working with a government agency and would like to meet the next time he was back in China. I replied back thanking him for the email and excited he had gotten his life back on track. I was a little suspicious, though, about the Christian aspect because I knew that China uh, had a negative view towards Christianity and often uh, sent outspoken Christians to prison. I thought his email might be a trap. At the same time, I, I didn't want to dis discourage him if he, if he indeed was genuine in his faith. We agreed to meet during my next trip to China. Uh, we met the following summer, and the story of how he came to faith was amazing. He had held on to that Chinese Bible and book that I had given him uh, at Mary Greeley and started reading them. Later, he had found a book written by uh, Neil Anderson called Bondage Breaker that helped him overcome what he described as demonic forces in his life. He began, trust, he began trusting in Christ for his mental and spiritual health. You see, he'd finished his undergraduate and master's degree. He was now pursuing his doctorate. Uh, he was leading a house church and enrolled in an online seminary. He was en engaged to be married, and he was so happy to share these de detail <coughs> excuse me, details with me. The transformation in his life was truly amazing. God had done a miraculous work in his life. The funny thing is that while I remember visiting Frank in the hospital, I didn't really expect much from those visits. Um, but now he's pastoring a house church in China and leading others to Christ. We all need Pauls in our life who, who will entrust us with gospel truths. And we need Timothys in our life who we can entrust the gospel to. Timothys will go out and entrust the good news to others. Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one suffer, serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone uh, competes as an athlete, he's not crowned unless he uh, competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Here we have three examples of people leading a disciplined and focused life the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. Let's not gloss over, however, verse 3, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. It reminds me of Philippians 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Not many of us want to share in his sufferings, though. I don't really want to do that. This concept is foreign to us here in the U.S. We don't have to look far, however, to see evidence of believers suffering for their faith. The church in China has been growing for decades under persecution. They meet secretly in people's homes because they don't want to register with the government authorities who would dictate what they could or couldn't say. It's interesting, though, that they actually take offense to being called the persecuted house church movement. They just want to be known as the house church movement. Persecution is normal. It was normal in the New Testament times, 
It's normal today in many places around the world. The anomaly is actually here in the West, where unfortunately our biggest persecution often comes from fellow believers. Our missions uh, team recently read a book called The Insanity of God. In it, the author travels to regions around the world to learn from the persecuted church. He meets up with several leaders of the house church movement in China. As he gets ready to interview a couple of of young house uh, church pastors, a senior pastor whispers to him, you can't trust those two. They haven't been to prison yet. You see, not only do house church pastors need to be well-versed in scripture, they also need to be tested to share in Christ's sufferings. This often means prison time. Three years is a typical sentence. Some are sent to prison repeatedly. Prison is where the real training takes place. Not only do they have to suffer and endure suffering, not only do they suffer and are tortured, but they also get to share the gospel in prison and make disciples. They sing spiritual songs and learn to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Prison for them is like seminary part two, like an internship or a residency. I want to read what one house church pastor recently wrote to his fellow house church uh, leaders and members. He writes, Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, one morning when you arrive at your church, you might be surprised to discover many uniformed people in the building. Some might be angry and speak viciously. Others might address you nicely, almost beseechingly. Others may be expressionless but carry themselves with a businesslike attitude. Regardless of their demeanor, you know that something has, has happened. Your church is being persecuted. He then goes on to explain that persecution is normal. They should expect it. But he finishes his letter with the following. We must treasure the opportunity to love one another, connect with one another, and receive spiritual pastoring as members of the church body. If you chat with other members at church, chat about spiritual matters because you can talk about all other matters at all other times through other tools. If you see visitors at church, share the gospel with them so that they might have the opportunity for eternal life because they might not be able to come the next time. If you've not regularly attended church gatherings in the past or attended gatherings but not love other members in the church well, then this Sunday is your opportunity for repentance. Let the church be filled with the Spirit and let each minute you spend at church be filled both with the gospel and with the love for Christ's body. Stonebridge Church, I pray that we would have the same attitude. What I'd like to do now is ask Matt and the other elders to come on up and uh, have them share about a Paul in their life and about a Timothy in their life. Uh, And then Matt will close us in prayer. Good morning, Stonebridge. Uh, I'm uh, Elder Kevin Lambert, and uh, I'm taking my wife's advice. Last night she told me I should write down what I'm going to say, because I was going to wing it, and I'm glad I wrote it down. So so, uh, um, I'm going to start off with someone who mentored me. Um, As I thought about this uh, over the past few weeks when Tim asked us to talk, uh, the first name that came to my mind was a pastor who married Sarah and me. He was, his name was John Hembry. And what I admired most about him was he was a man who I always thought had the answers to my questions. I would ask him a lot of things 
but he never did have the answer except one. It was always Jesus. What makes a great communicator at times is not what a person says, but what he does, does not say. And what I mean by that is sometimes listening is the best advice someone can give you, and Pastor John did that well. When I would ask him a question on why this, this happened or that situation happened, Pastor John was great about saying, I don't know, but let's ask Jesus and pray about it, and he will give us the answer. I remember running across Pastor John uh, at a restaurant about six months after his wife had passed away. He was sitting alone, and when I got done with my meeting, I went over and sat down, and we talked for an hour and a half about life, our walk with Christ, how our families were doing, and so on. Towards the end of the meeting, he spoke about how he missed his wife, but was also happy for he knew where she was now and excited to see her again someday. I told him, I know exactly how, what you felt as I had lost my dad and missed him, but also was happy to know where he was. I told him, you'll never get over losing someone, but you do have to learn to live without him until you see them again someday. He looked up at me and said, who told you that? That sounds very familiar. And I said, you told me that at my dad's funeral. As you, as you prepare watching for the Super Bowl today, take a minute and think about a mentor in your life and pray for them. Think about how you could be a mentor for someone in your life right now, coworker, family member, etc. And then we're supposed to talk about the other one? Okay. And then someone I mentored um, uh, through, through the years, um, you know, I had a good, fr you know, a good friend is hard to find. Someone who sticks with you through the good times and the bad, who will always, not always agree with you, but will support you when you find that friend. It is the greatest feeling in the world. But what can make the feeling sick to your stomach is when you know they're not a believer. When you know that if they are going to die today, they would be going to hell. That's what I want to talk about briefly with you today. I had met a guy out of high school who I'd worked with at DeKalb, and he was my boss. He did his job real well. Every day we would talk about family, sports, and life in general. He was a great person overall. I worked at DeKalb for about five years part-time until I got married and started a family. Uh, we, we stayed in touch from time to time. Uh, his dad got sick back in 2006 and passed away. My dad got sick and passed away a few, few years later in 2010. About a year after my dad passed away, I ran across Mark at Fairway in Boone, and we started talking, and he was interested in helping me during harvest, for he had great memories of helping his dad during harvest. So he started helping me, running a wagon, driving a grain cart, working ground, whatever I needed he would do. He still had his full-time job, but he would take 10 days off in the fall to help me. One day we got rained out and we were all in the office. And the other hired man asked Mark if he was a believer and Mark said no. I looked up and, and said, so what happens when you die? He said, you're put in the ground and that is it. Right away, the hired man and me talked about church and Jesus and, and about everlasting life. He said he didn't want to hear any more about that and left it at that. I was devastated. The hired hand looked at me after Mark had left and said, that man's going to hell. We need to pray for him. So we started praying for him every week. 
and about five years later, Mark's son was dating a believer and got the whole family to go to church. Mark called me after church to tell me how he felt something at church he had never felt before. I told him it was not something, it was Jesus working in his heart. I encouraged him to go back and to pray that God would put you in a church where you could learn about Jesus and the Bible. He continued to go back, but one Sunday he was working in Nevada for his job and he got rained out. He knew he could not make it back to Ogden in time for church, so he stopped at Cornerstone in Ames because that is where I had gone to church before coming to Stonebridge. After church, he called me and talked about the message and also about the songs they sang. He told me he was excited to go back. The hired hand and I kept praying for him through all this that he would make that commitment and a couple years later after attending Cornerstone regularly, he called me and gave me the great news. He had given his life to Christ and was excited about it. God works in mysterious ways, but it's not our will, but his will be done. And when Mark gave us his news, I felt peace for him as he knew where he was going now. We talk on a weekly basis uh, on how his church life's going and my church life's going and, and what the preaching's about. Um, I look forward to that conversation every week. When I see how Mark was before Christ and how he is now, there's not one person in the world I believe, who, who cannot come to Christ. Um, Pastor John was the same way. He, he was a recovering alcoholic, and before he came to Christ, it, it's just a night and day difference. So, The old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, is true, but praying for someone regularly and having a listening ear can go a long ways. And then I want to close with one other thing. I had a friend, uh, I just knew him the last couple years, um, of his life here. He just passed away a couple weeks ago, and I went to his funeral the other day, and, uh, you know, halfway through the funeral, there's 400 people there, and I started laughing, and this person next to me kind of looked at me, and after the service, I told him, I said, you know, we're all down here grieving just because we miss him, but he's up there looking down on us just having a ball. And uh, everyone I talked to, I didn't know him real well, but he was a guy that could have been a mentor for me down the road, just his, his uh, way he acted. So I was just going to read one thing that he wrote in his obituary. It was out of his Bible. It says, I am saved because the Bible, God's word says, that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess him as your Lord, and you shall be saved. And then he wrote, regarding heaven, I have a peace about that, and no fear of going anywhere else. Thank you. Hi, my name is Randy Shaver, and I'm 62, so I too have a cheat sheet. I use it more than uh, Kevin does. Um, my Paul um, is Bruce Thomas. Some of you know Bruce. He actually was the pastor at Boom Biblical Church here in this building for many, many years. Um, but before he became the pastor here, he was actually a member and an elder at Grace Community Church, where Chris, my wife, and I attended before we came over to Stonebridge. Um, 
I think I told this story before, but I came to Christ um, a year before Chris and I got married, which, yes, it was a pre prerequisite. So, but uh, anyway, at that point, we decided to live in Boone. We bought a house, uh, and then we started looking for a church. Um, well, we, after doing searching, looking for a church and whatnot, we actually f set on a kind of a startup, and it was actually a startup that was coming off of uh, E-Free Church here in Boone. Um, Bruce Thomas was in that church. And uh, because we were such a small church, we were new, didn't have any money, uh, we really didn't have a, a place to go on a consistent basis. So we ended up uh, going to the high school. We actually uh, worshiped in the high school for years. One of the requirements in doing that, though, was to set up the, ba the worship equipment every Sunday morning before, we went before church started. And you had to have it set up by 8 o'clock. So we'd have our worship equipment in a closed-in van or uh, trailer, back it up, unload it, uh, put it on the stage at the auditorium, hook it all up, have service, take it back down. Well, um, Bruce decided that we would have a Bible study and a prayer session before we set up equipment for the church service. Well, we had to have everything set up by 8 o'clock in the morning, so that meant that we actually met like at 6 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I just got to tell you, so there were like four or five of us guys um, that actually met pretty much every week on a Sunday, or a Sunday morning at 6 o'clock. And I will just never forget those times because the reality is that in addition to learning more about the Word of God, I really got to experience the behavior and the, uh, of, of someone who really knows Christ well. Keep in mind, I was a new believer at that point. So getting a chance and experience uh, with Bruce was just incredible. Um, I don't know if you know Bruce, but the reality, if you meet Bruce, you're going to see a few things. One is you're going to see his Bible in his hand or with, with reaching distance. It will not be very far away from him. Two, you'll experience the love of Christ. And three, you're going to experience humility. He is just a wonderful guy. Um, you know, it's funny. The legacy lives on because I met with, I ran into Bruce and Peggy in Walmart about two weeks ago. And without hesitation, he comes up to me and grabs me and hugs me and says, God bless you, my son. Uh, he has never changed. <laughs> uh, his love for the Christ and has just continued to grow. And uh, I don't know, I think he's like, I think I read he's like 65 or so, but he's, he's got, I think he's older than that because I'm 62 and I'm not. <laughs> anyway, I think he's older, but the reality is, is that it was just a blessing to know him. And I'm just... Uh, I, thank, I thank God for putting him in my life. Uh, not only that he put him, him in my life, but when he did put him in my life, because it was just perfect timing on God's part. Um, we're supposed to talk about Timothy, and I, I didn't really have a good example to think of uh, from a Timothy standpoint, but I did want to say a couple of things about men's group on Monday nights. I get to see guys that really are acting as Paul's and Timothy's. They want to help each other. They want to learn more about the word. Um, you see people pray for guys, praying for guys, loving each other, uh, supporting each other, being there for encouragement. Um, it is just a great experience. So I don't mean to put a plug in, but I am putting a plug in. 
if you're not involved in men's group, we'd love to have you. And honestly, uh, it's a great experience. And I'm just thank the God that thank God that He's given me the opportunity to be part of it. So, thank you. Well, good morning. I'm Dave Niebel. Uh, I guess I'll, I have notes, too. It's not because I'm 62. I don't know why I have notes to keep me on track, I guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the, the Apostle Paul wrote 13, maybe 14 books of the Bible. <clears throat> so he did a lot of talking about his faith and about how uh, the Christianity should look in our lives. Uh, yet he did more than talk. Uh, he also walked the walk. In, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. And that's a really bold statement, but yet I think it, it, it shows the attention that Paul gave just himself to making sure that he was walking the walk. He was not just talking the talk. Uh, the Paul in my life has been somebody who has walked the walk and has talked the talk. The Paul in my life has, has been my dad. My dad made sure that we talked about the things of God. And like Deuteronomy 6 says, we just did it in a normal flow of life. We did it as we were going down the road uh, in, the, in the truck. We did it as we were getting ready for bed, getting up in the morning, as life events would happen. He made sure that he would look for ways to bring in discussions about Christian principles, about godly principles, that sort of thing. And then he set an example for me to follow. As Paul illustrated with Paul's life, talking the talk is not enough. We must live it. And conversely, just living it isn't enough either. In Timothy talks in First Timothy, Second Timothy, in our passage today talks about we must talk about our Christian faith. We must teach it to others. My dad was was that Paul in my life, and I am so grateful. As for the Timothy in my life. Uh, I'm hopeful that that's my son and my daughter. Uh, even though as parents we, we fall short, we do, we're, we're imperfect. Yet I hope that we are intentional as we are walking the walk, talking the talk with our families, with, with our kids. Um, it, is, it is sobering to think about the, the Timothys in our lives, the people that are looking at us, that are listening to us, uh, as Kevin talked about, in just a passing conversation, and yet that those things lead to so many other steps and ways that God's working. It, it's sobering to think of that responsibility to be the Paul for, for a Timothy, and yet it is such a wonderful, wonderful privilege. That's good. Um, in, a, in a very real way, um, I've just been really, really blessed to have a lot of Pauls in my life, um, a lot. And I've shared about a fair amount of them in sermons through the years here. Um, one I was going to talk about, I, I'm not going to, So he, but I'll just tell you, his name is Scott Rieger, and he was a youth leader um, uh, when I was in high school and had a huge impact on my life, but he's actually coming in March to preach here. So I'll share more about him then, and you'll get to meet him, hopefully. Um, but in a very real way, um, all of 
these men are Pauls to me. And, um, and I've learned a lot about following Jesus from them and been helped immensely by them. And so thank you guys. And um, Timothy's, I, I mean, I, I meet weekly with, with several people sitting here and um, many of them older than me, which is very humbling, um, but it's been cool to just make myself available to people in their lives and see God use that. Um, and recently, and this, I say this not in a bragging way at all, but in a way to encourage you. God has been using me lately in people's lives that I don't understand the stuff they're going with at all, like no frame of reference. And God's been using me to help them break free from things that I know nothing about. So I share that with you because don't, to, to just urge you, don't put yourself in a box. Be available to people. Listen, like Kevin was saying, like his, his mentor, his pastor, just was there listening here. And be, don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Let's ask Jesus, you know? So just make yourself available to people. People need other people in their lives in a very real way to emulate Christ, to show them Christ in the flesh. So live that out. Live this out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And usually it's, it's much more informal as well. You know, as you're going, make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So I'll pray and we'll sing some more. So Lord, I just thank you for all of these stories that were shared up here today. And I thank you for the power of discipleship, of mentorship, of coming alongside other people. And thank you, Lord, for, for each person that's come alongside us and shared the good news of Jesus with us and helped, helped us grow in our relationship with Jesus. And I pray that you give us opportunities to do this with others. And I pray that today, Lord, just as, as Kevin said earlier, that our minds wouldn't be so preoccupied with lunch or what's coming um, later today or this week, but rather you would fill our minds and our hearts with visions and ideas of people that you want us to pour our lives into and share about Jesus with and help them grow. And that you, maybe, maybe some of us were like, yeah, I, I'm doing that, but I'm just feeling really dry and empty and I need, I need a Paul in my life. So I just pray that you would bring those people to mind as well, that we reach out and go, I need some help. I need some wisdom. You would make our hearts humble enough to, to do that as well, Lord. So thank you, Jesus, for being our rock, for being our foundation. And thank you so much that you, you don't, you not only do you give us your, your word, and not only do you give us your spirit, but you give us your people as well. So I pray that we would experience that in the days to come and years to come in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.